Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Go ahead and open them however you get your Bible, whether that's electronically or in book form. Uh, You'll need those today. Go ahead and open that to Luke chapter 9, and we're going to begin at verse 28. We are in the season of Lent, and if you're new with us and you're wondering what is this, the church operates by a different calendar. I don't know if you know that, but it starts at Advent, four weeks before Christmas, and then we move into the Christmas. Yes, there are 12 days of Christmas. I don't know that we do Lord's Leaping anymore, but... uh, There are 12 days, and then you enter into the season of Epiphany, the aha, the light of the world. We celebrate that coming, and then you begin the season of Lent. It's as if the ancient church understood that we need a time, just like we saw on the video, we need a time set aside and dedicated for Jesus to come and move some things in us, chisel some things away, uh, maybe shape some of his intention in us. And because he understands how we operate as human beings, he seems to know we need this each year. And so that's what these 40 days are about. I I told you last week, I'll tell you again, you've probably done the math. There are actually 46 days in Lent, but that's because every Sunday is a celebration of resurrection life. And that doesn't stop during Lent. We still celebrate that. Uh, And so if you're doing one of those fasting things... Guess what? You get to take Sundays off. Like, you know, enjoy, have fun, you know, have some chocolate, coffee, you know, whatever your thing is that you're giving up because we're celebrating that life is here. But today we're going to look again in the Gospel of Luke. And Luke is very intentionally telling the stories of Jesus that he has heard spoken to him. And he has crafted this in such a way that he wants you, the reader, you, the reader online, he wants us to understand something about Jesus. And Luke is very, very influenced by the prophet Isaiah and those passages that speak about God's suffering servants who will suffer on behalf of the children and will be exalted and the nations will be drawn to him. And so Luke is very intentionally crafting that story. But before I get ahead of myself, let's go ahead and let's hear the gospel, the good news from Luke chapter 9. And because this is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, would you stand in reverence and honor of the gospel? And let's hear this this morning. Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. 
Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. This is the word of God for the people of God, and our response is, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, I got a question for you this morning. Let's see if this is working. Have you ever sleep-talked? Not sleep-walked, sleep-talked. Um, it's where you just kind of begin. I, I don't know what happens. Maybe some of you who understand neurobiology can tell me why this takes place. But for most of us, we have our dreams and we don't speak at all. Some of us, during that time, we're kind of half awake, half asleep, and we begin to speak. And it sometimes makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, my college roommate used to talk in his sleep. And sometimes I'd be awakened at like 3 in the morning like he was finishing a phone conversation. I'd just hear one side, you know. All right, man, that's great. Cool. Awesome. Talk to you later. I'm like, who is he on the phone with? And then I'd hear him snore like two seconds later. I'm like, he's asleep. One of my favorite stories happened to me. Uh, we were living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My dad was a pastor of a church there, and the Parsonage did not have air conditioning, and Pittsburgh is very hot and very humid in the summer. I don't know if the church had provided this, or my parents had scraped together some money, but they got uh, a window unit air conditioner for their bedroom. And uh, one of, it was one of those just blazing hot nights, and I must have woken up because I was just sweating to death. I was probably 10 or 11 years old. I stumbled into their room, and I went over to Mom's side of the bed, and I kind of woke her up, and I said, Mom, I'm just so hot. And she said to me, now I don't remember this. I've just been told this story many times. She said, go get your sleeping bag and just lay down on the floor at the foot of the bed. And I looked at her, and I said, but Mom... I am a sleeping bag. And then I turned around and I walked out of the room and back to my sweaty room and went back to bed. I I was half awake. I was there. I was present, but I didn't know what I was saying. Now, sometimes sleep talking is harmless like that. But what about the other times when we think we're fully awake, but the things that come out of our mouth prove that we're really just sleep-talking. Like for me, I I remember a a situation very vividly of a time a friend of mine talked about some decisions that she was going to make, and and I had an opinion about those decisions, and I I said, I don't think that's a good idea. I think you're going to wind up getting hurt in this situation. And sure enough, many months later, she called, and she she was away. We were college friends. She was away. And she called and she told me that exactly what I had predicted would happen, happened. And instead of being fully awake that my friend was hurting and needed a friend and needed some comfort, I proved that I was sleep talking when I said, didn't I say that this is what was going to happen? I didn't know what I was saying. 
and I injured and I, I believe I wounded my friend because she, I wasn't paying attention to what she needed. I wasn't fully awake and present and listening. Now, I'd like to tell you that's my only time that I've ever done that. <laughs> but even as a pastor, sometimes we can struggle because we're asleep in our agendas, asleep in our, our motives, asleep in a lot of things that are going on. Sleep talking can be very harmful in some situations. I think if you've ever done that, if you've ever done the harmless sleep talking or you've done the sleep talking that can lead to some damage, then you begin to enter into the situation that we find ourselves in this story. It is a phenomenal tapestry that Luke has woven together. He takes so many threads from the Old Testament and weaves them into this story that he had heard about the transfiguration of Jesus. And it is, it is absolutely masterful. It is a, a complete Hebrew scripture smash up. And if you were a good Jew, you would catch all of these themes. But since we're probably not, let's go over just a couple of them. Jesus, we're, we're told at the very beginning of the, our, our reading today that he ascended a mountain. Just like Moses ascended the mountain to be in God's presence, Jesus ascends the mountain to pray to his Father. We see that in, in verse 28. Then, if you remember in Exodus 34, or if you've never heard this story, when Moses was up on the mountain with God, he sees God's glory. And it is so powerful that when he comes down, his face is actually shining. And it, it really scares the children of Israel so much so they make him wear a veil. Because they, they're just, they can't believe this. But when Jesus goes up onto the mountain, not only his face changes, but his clothes change. Not because he's in God's presence, but because he is God's glory. Something radical changes here. He's like Moses, but greater than Moses. And Luke wants us to see this. Then Moses and Elijah appear, and they're talking to Jesus. Now, Moses and Elijah would embody basically most of the Hebrew Scriptures, the law, the Torah, the teaching, the instruction, and the prophets. And they're embodied, and they come because they want to talk to Jesus. This is that Luke wants us to see all of this is coming together. All that you have read in, in the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, it's coming to fulfillment in Jesus. And they speak with Jesus. Now this is, this is an interesting thing that they say to him. I want us to hear it because in English, the translation gets a little, a little muddied here. They say this. They spoke about his departure which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Now I want you to see something, because that word for departure in Greek is the word exodon. You want to say that with me, don't you? Because it's really easy to say. Ready? One, two, three. Exodon. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Exodon. Does this sound like another Hebrew story? Sounds like what? Exodus, yes. Would that be filled with meaning for, for Jewish people? That Jesus was about to go to Jerusalem and he wasn't just departing. He was, there was going to be an exodus and not just uh, some, 
some random nation like the children of Israel led out of slavery through the waters. But through the waters of his death, all of creation would be set free. It's a story of freedom. And Moses and Elijah are there and they are saying, we know that another walk of freedom is about to take place. And in fact, it's not just going to take place. The next word is the word fulfillment. It is the word pleiroon. Let's say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Pleiroon. Let's say it one more time so you can remember it. Ready? One, two, three. Pleiroon. And it literally means bring to completion. So this isn't just a one, this isn't just something that's happening over and over. This is very special. This is going to be a walk of freedom. It's going to release people from sin and captivity and it's going to be complete. The work is going to be done, fulfilled all the way, filled to the top. No room left. It's done. Luke wants us to see this as all of these threads are, are focusing our heart and our attention on Jesus. And then in the midst of this beautiful tapestry, Peter opens his mouth. <laughs> I know, poor guy. I, I hear you. I've been there. You say, poor me. How many times have we done this? He says, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then it's so funny. Luke, like, steps out of character of just being the author and wants you and I to know. He's, like, whispering out of the side of his mouth. He didn't know what he was saying. (laughs) As if we didn't catch it already. He didn't know what he was saying. Now we can't fault him. He's, he's doing what they always did when the glory of God showed up. He says, let's create three booths, it says in English, but the Greek word there is skenos. Would you like to say that with me? One, two, three. Skenos. And it literally means tabernacle. It's the same word that John would use in his first chapter. And the word became flesh and skenos tabernacled among us when the presence of god was going to be in the midst of the people they built a tent they built a tabernacle they built this skenos so that the presence of god the cloud that led them during the day and the fire at night would have a place to go and that's where the holy of holies would be the presence of god would be in there and so peter speaks up and says ah this is just like Moses. We should tabernacle his, his face. Or we should make sure that we have a place so that, so that people can now come. I don't know if he had visions of they would now be the new priesthood and people would come to them to find entrance into the presence here up on the mountaintop. Isn't this wonderful? But something happens. Then the cloud Appears. I've already mentioned it. The cloud, you remember, from Exodus that led the children of Israel, that was the presence of God. The presence of God appears without a tent, without a holy of holies, without a temple. It just appears. And Peter knows that this is scary. And out of the cloud comes a voice. 
that says, this is my son. Quoting Psalm 2, meaning this is the one who is that king, my anointed one, who is going to deal with evil in the nations. And he's the one I have chosen. It's a little different than his baptism. He's the one I have chosen. That's, that's what God used to say to the children of Israel. You're my son whom I have chosen to be my representative, to, to show what I look like in the world. Now the voice is focusing this on the cloud. The presence of God is focusing all of this on Jesus. He is my son whom I have chosen. And then the voice gives a command. Listen to him. Now that would have woken up any Jew. Because listen, in the Greek, we hear, hear it this way. Akut. Akuate. Let's say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Akuate. Say it one more time. One, two, three. Akuate. Now it sounds like the word what? Acoustic. So it sounds like just sound vibrating here. But my hunch is the voice probably spoke the language of Peter and John and James, which would have been Hebrew or Aramaic, and that is the word Shema. And the Shema was the prayer that a good Jew prays at least three times a day. And it would wake them up because the word Shema really means to hear and to obey. It's not just listen, sounds vibrating my eardrum. It's hearing and obeying. There's an action that's involved in the listening. It is that active listening. And when I am called and when I hear, I say yes. And I move forward into that would have woken them up. And now this voice is saying, Shema. Do you know the Shema? Hear, O Israel. Listen, O Israel. Obey, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord alone. How do you obey the Lord our God, the Lord alone? You love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength. But now the voice is saying, listen to who? Jesus. It's focusing that attention. And then in just the most dramatic thing, the cloud is gone, and who do they see alone? Jesus. Isn't this beautiful? Luke is just so brilliant. What an amazing job he has done to tie all of this together and focus our attention on Jesus and Jesus alone. Wow. It's as if the voice is wanting us to understand listening to Jesus will lead you to life. And that's going to be important. You're going to want to write that down. Listening to Jesus will lead you to life. John will say, and life to the full. Full life. So if that's the focus of this message, for us to listen to Jesus, to hear and obey, then it's probably good for us to think about what hinders listening for you and for me. What is it that hinders your listening? I believe we can look at three things, and they all start with the letter P. Aren't you glad? One of those things is our past experiences can hinder our listening. Both the good and the bad. 
The good can be, man, I had such an incredible experience in 1975 and they were singing this song and they used these instruments and all of this. And boy, I just sensed that God was near and close. And we do like Peter and we just build a tabernacle around that era, around that time, around that style of music, around those instruments, around that preacher, around that style of preaching. And we say, oh, if we could just get back, if we could get people to get back to that place and come into that tabernacle, they would have a great experience. The story says, no, you focus on Jesus now, not in the past experience, in the now. He might be moving somewhere else. And the goal is to listen and follow after wherever he is leading us. For some of us, it may be the negative experiences. And we've built a tabernacle around that. I was so wounded by that church. I was so wounded by that person. I I, I just can't get over that and i've built a tabernacle around it and anytime i think about it i wind up going in there and it just is frustrating and it hinders our ability to listen to what jesus might be saying to us today in this moment in this place here among us let's move on Because it's not only our past experiences that can hinder our listening but it also can be our present power structures It's as if we kind of say to Jesus, half asleep, half awake, Jesus, don't you know how this works? I mean, if you really want your kingdom to come the way you say you do in all of the earth, then don't you know we gotta play little games here. You know, we've gotta, we've gotta get in with the, the right people. We've gotta vote for the right folks. We've gotta, we've gotta make sure that we get the right people in power. We've gotta get some, get some motivation here. You've gotta have good marketing, Jesus. I mean, you don't even have a website. And you think this is gonna happen by serving people? Hanging out way out here in Galilee in the middle of nowhere and feeding a bunch of people who are just beggars and hungry and farmers and, and just, I guess we call them today, hicks. That, that's not how the kingdom of God comes, Jesus. Oh, he, where, where's Jesus? All of a sudden he's gone. Because our present power structures can make us half awake to what Jesus is actually speaking and saying to us today. So it's not just our past experiences, it's, it's, it's also our present power structures, but it is also our predetermined future and outcomes. It's that we have a vision up here of what this is supposed to look like. And anything that Jesus does that's outside those parameters, we automatically write off. You know who are some of the worst people at this? Pastors. That if, that if we don't see our vision taking place and we can get frustrated and and some some people can even leave get out i'm gone i'm done they didn't do what i thought they should do and i know that jesus was on my side and all of a sudden we're looking around where's jesus because we haven't realized that my predetermined future my predetermined outcomes may not be jesus's And they have made me half awake, and I'm actually just sleep-talking, which can cause a lot of damage. What is it for you? What's your future? 
your predetermined outcome? Is it a certain salary? Is it a certain way that your, your marriage should operate? Is it a certain job that you're climbing the ladder to get to and you don't realize that it's making you sleepy and you're slowly beginning to talk and not understand what you're saying because you cannot hear the voice of Jesus to you in your life today? What is it for you, person online? What is your predetermined future or your outcome? I want to dare to challenge you today because it may just be the very thing that is stopping up your hearing and making you half awake as you speak to those around you. So if that's the problem, then what what can we do about it? What does it mean to listen? I want to give you three things really quick. There are three, three aids, and I'm sure there are more than this, but I think there are three aids that will help us to listen to Jesus. And these all begin with S. I was just really in an alliterative mood this weekend. The first one is, of course, Scripture. Scripture is a great way to listen to God. I mean, we have the, the ability to look back and, and say, I mean, at the beginning of our passage, if we're reading Scripture, we can go back where the disciples missed it. You know, it says right at the beginning of our passage today, about eight days after Jesus said this, we can, we can say, oh, said what? And, and we can go back and look. And, he, and what he said is, if anyone would take, come after me, He must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. Oh. Maybe that's what they should have heard. I need to hear that. Scripture is a beautiful way to begin that listening process. When you hear what God has said, you begin to get attuned to his voice. And you begin to then be able to listen and obey. Scripture is an excellent aid for listening. Next is silence. It's awkward, isn't it? We we may be one of the noisiest generations in the planet has ever seen. And I want you to know, not only is the beauty of Scripture a great aid for listening and learning to hear Jesus' voice, but so is silence. Now, I'm not talking about sitting around, lotus position, alm. I mean, if that's comfortable for you, go for it. My knees would kill me. But I'm talking about just taking some time in your day to actually listen to God. Sometimes we Christians can can sleep pray. And we say the same phrases over and over and over again. Every prayer is exactly the same. And we fill up all of the space with our talking and our needs. And, and it's good to bring our needs. I mean, the Bible tells us, cast all of your cares on Him, for He cares for you. That's not a bad thing. It's not wrong. But is there any moment for us to actually listen to Him where there's just some silence? And I'll I'll say to you, and, and I'll say to me, it is hard 
But if we are reading and listening to Scripture and then spending some time in silence, we begin to be able to hear the still, small voice because our God still speaks to us. Today, we just have filled up the space with so much noise, we've forgotten what His voice sounds like. And some of us, some of you, we need to turn off the political pundits so that we can begin to hear the power of his still, small voice. Some of us need to to leave off the music, even the good worship music, so that we can just hear the beauty and the melodious sound of the voice of our Savior. Silence can be a wonderful aid to begin to listen to the one who longs to teach you. So it's not just scripture and it's not just silence, but this is one from last week as well. But it's also surrender. When we know and begin to have that voice, either through Scripture or that still small voice that we begin to hear, that still small voice will begin to point out the things that are making us sleepy. Whether it's our past experiences, whether it's the present power structures that we're so enamored with, or whether it's with our predetermined future, that voice will begin to bring attention to those things. Gently and yet firmly. And the best way that we begin to continue listening and obeying is to surrender that as soon as He makes us aware of it. We surrender. You're right, Lord Jesus. I give you this. Take whatever ambitions I had. I want to be focused on you because I'm convinced that listening to Jesus leads to life. Listening to you, Jesus, will lead me to life. It will always lead me to life. It may be difficult. It's not going to be easy. But it will lead me to life if I will listen to you and obey and follow after you. It will lead me to life. And I want to be led by you. You're the only one who is faithful. You're the only one who can truly lead me to life. Folks, this is so important for us to hear this during this time where we're giving permission for the Holy Spirit to come and shape things in who we are during this season of Lent. Because if we miss His voice, we may miss His victory entirely. This passage, I ended it in a very weird way with them making their way off the mountain because he doesn't stay up on the mountaintop experiences. The glory goes down into the valley and there he is confronted by a boy with an unclean spirit and his victory comes for that boy and for his family. And the disciples miss it. If you look over, you'll begin to see what are they doing the very next the very next passage, they're, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus has to say, listen to me clearly. I guess the voice in the cloud wasn't enough. I'm going into Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be betrayed and killed. That's going to be the victory. And whoever is the greatest among you must be the least. That will be the life that I'm leading you to. 
and they are constantly, through the rest of Scripture, they are missing it. They are sleep-talking. They are sleep-arguing. They are sleeping all the way to the cross so that when they get to the cross, where the exodus happens, where the exodus is fulfilled and all of sin and darkness is dealt with, they missed it. And even when he comes out of the tomb, his followers are still missing it on the road to Emmaus. They miss it until he breaks bread. They miss the joy of the victory. Maybe it's because they missed his voice and what he was saying. Do you see how important this is, my friends? Why we are called to be a listening people. Well, I'll say it one more time. Why don't you say it with me? One, two, three. Listening to Jesus leads to life. Listen to Him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I've done a lot of talking just now. And I pray it wasn't sleep talking. I pray that you would use right now in this moment as an opportunity to begin speaking in a way that we can hear. Would you right now even just put your finger on some of those things that are hindering our ability to listen? And may we surrender them to you so that as we move into the rhythms of Scripture and silence, Scripture and silence and surrender, we would be known as a people who listen to you. Not a bunch of sleep talkers that just spout off whatever comes to our mind and through our lips. Father, wake us up. Let us be fully awake in your presence. Ready to follow wherever you would lead us. Whether it's out into the communities of Portage, whether it's back into our jobs as as your servant, whether it's to Cactus, Texas, to minister to others, whether it's somewhere else in the world, wherever you're calling us, if we follow you and we can hear your voice, we know it will lead to life. Just to live surrendered to you. And if there's any among us who have not, then help us to hear the good news that your exodus, your setting free, it's been fulfilled all the way full. We have only to receive it. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if there's anyone here who has never surrendered their life to Jesus, want to tell you it leads to life and so if, if you would like to surrender your heart to Jesus today then I'm just going to invite you to raise your hand right where you are no one's looking around except for me because I want to pray for you yes see that hand yes 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 absolutely yes wonderful you're just saying I, I'm surrendering to Jesus today I want to follow him. I want to hear his voice
Father, those who have raised their hands, I pray that you would right now bring peace to their hearts. May they begin knowing they've surrendered to you. I pray that you would show up, that they might hear your voice through your scriptures and through their times of silence. Help them to be bold in following after you. Now, Father, as we go today, we pray that again, you would lead us in the rhythm of scripture, silence, surrender. Send us out into our world, into our jobs, into our schools, fully awake. For we want to hear your voice. We don't want to miss the victory. Lead us to life, we pray, in your great name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you stand and receive this blessing? And now, my friends, here and online, I pray that you would know the joy of hearing Jesus' voice. I pray that that joy would begin with surrendering to him. I pray that you'll enter into the rhythm of scripture and silence and surrender. May that just begin to help you hear his voice as he leads you to more and more life. I pray these things in the name of the Father who's for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. And all God's people here on online said, Amen. God bless you. Be safe as you travel. If you, if you joined us in person today, if you're online, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Don't forget, our rebellion is now over. Set your clocks ahead and enjoy the empty restaurants. Amen? God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3nas.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.